That's not easy. That's the hardest thing I've ever had to do. And it still, every time I go into one of those, scares me. But why do I do it? Because every time I get a little bit better. Chip away, getting a little bit better every time. Welcome to the Business Class Podcast, where we dive into conversations with alumni, students, faculty, and staff from the University of Dayton School of Business Administration. You'll hear career advice, conversations about ethical decision-making in business, and listen to stories from life on the UD campus. Here's your host, Dean Trevor Collier. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Business Class Podcast. I'm joined today by Will Bluebaugh and Tony Kristofik. Will is a senior marketing and finance major and currently serves as the president of Pi Sigma Epsilon, something we'll refer to throughout this episode as PSE. It's the only national professional co-ed sales fraternity. Tony is a principal lecturer in sales and director of the Talarico Center for Professional Selling. Thanks for joining me today, gentlemen. Glad to be here. Thank you. Thanks, Trevor. I'd like to start our, our conversation today with a, a little background information on the two of you. Then we'll talk about PSE. And we'll talk about the Talarico Center, and, and we'll close with some other questions about the two of you and the future of, of sales education. So let, let's start with Will. Could you please tell us a little bit more about your journey to UD? Where did you go to high school and, and how did you first hear about the wonderful place we call the University of Dayton? Yeah, sure thing, Trevor. It certainly is a wonderful place. It's, you know, I when I went to high, when I literally visited here, um, when I came in as a, I think I visited here when I was a sophomore in high school. Um, I went to St. Charles Preparatory School um, in Columbus, Ohio. Um, so it's, it's an all boys college prep school, um, Catholic school. So I was already kind of used to the, um, the Catholic education. I've, I've grown up educated Catholic, um, my whole life. And, uh, it was, this, UD was actually the first tour I ever took of a college campus. And I took like 25 of them. I'm the oldest in my family. So my parents were like making me do every single college that they thought, you know, would be a good fit. And my college counselor was talking to me and he was like, yeah, UD seems like it would fit your personality. It's, it's got everything you're looking for. Um, you should go check it out. So I, I get on campus. Um, the first the first minute I get on there, I fall in love with it. Um, literally, it was like it, it, you could just feel the sense of community. Like I know it's like the most overused word at, at UD, but it, it's really like there. Like I could tell everyone was welcoming. My tour guide was a really confident guy because, you know, at the end of the day, tour guide really sells the university. Um, and, you know, my tour guide was really excited to be there. I could tell he cared about the university. And that was the kind of university I wanted to go to. Um, one that didn't feel corporate. It didn't feel like I was just another number. I was like, wow, I, I can come here and I can have a chance to make a difference. Uh, I can be like this guy. And so that's kind of how I got interested in UD at the beginning. And then obviously I applied to a few other schools um, and UD ended up being the one that I was just like, in my heart, I could tell this was the school for me. So you got, you got here. When, when did you first get involved in Pi Sigma Epsilon, PSE, and, and how did how did you get to where you are today? Yeah, um, literally the first week I was on campus, I was in a I was in my Biz 100 class, um, and it was a big big lecture hall, um, and and then and I was in a Biz 201 class as well. And the first week, these students came in talking about about Pi Sigma Epsilon. This this guy named Nick Barrett, and I was like, this guy's like really well put together for a like college kid. I, I want to be like, like this guy. I want to, I want to get involved. And in, 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 I remember the words that he said, and I'm going to reference this. I'm sure Tony will like throughout this, but he, Nick said PSE and, and college is all about getting comfortable being uncomfortable. That's 
That's what I learned. And, and I, that's stuck with me ever since that first week of college. And that's, that's what I think college is all about, right? Going out of your comfort zone, making the most of every single day to be the best that you can be. And like, when I just heard him talking up there, I was like, wow, I want to be like this guy. I want to help other people. He talked about all the things that the PSE does to help other people. And he showed it like with the stats and it was just like, wow, this is like something I want to be a part of and I want to contribute to. Um, and so I rushed and freshman year, I, I got in first semester and, um, you know, I wasn't the most polished coming in, still working on that personally. Um, and I, you know, I, I, I've, I've grown a lot since then, um, but it's, it's every day a constant battle. You know, it's just like if you keep working hard, um, you know, the sky's the limit. So that's kind of my view on it. So I, I love the phrase, get comfortable being uncomfortable. Will, you don't seem like somebody that gets very uncomfortable. Can you, what was, what's the most uncomfortable you've been at UD? Oh man. I, Trevor, you'd be so surprised. It's I've been uncomfortable so many times because of what Tony has put me through for all, for all the classes, but that's why I can be so confident and comfortable today because I've, because I've been through those things. I think the hardest, the most uncomfortable I've been is probably doing um, what we do in PSE. We do, we do these mock sales calls um, where, you know, I've always been a pretty good public speaker, right? I enjoy giving presentations. I enjoy talking, but to go in to a room and do a sales simulation with a, a person who knows the product inside and out and is pretending to be for another company. And you have to be the product, the subject matter expert, and you have to talk to them, help them with their problems and do it within 20 minutes. That's not easy. That's the hardest thing I've ever had to do. And it still, every time I go into one of those scares me. But why do I do it? Because every time I get a little bit better, chip away, getting a little bit better every time. Tell them, tell them how stressful well the collegiate sales prep uh, competitions. Oh, preparing we trained, we trained for two months every day at like eight a.m. I'd wake up. This is great discipline. This taught me great discipline. Um, but we would we would wake up at like eight a.m. and train at least three times a week. We do we go over everything in the case. We go over like all the different possible ways that buyers could go. And, and it's, it's just like a constant like grind every single day. And, and it, it really, it really teaches you a, a lot by doing that and, and, and failing in, in some respects, right? Like I've, I've failed so many times. Um, so we'll, it, I, we'll come back and dig a little deeper into it, but, but real quick, what's a 30 second elevator pitch? What is a national collegiate sales competition? Yeah. So a national collegiate sales competition is, Basically, people from all these different universities around the country, you know, big universities, small universities, we all come together and we try to, we get given a scenario where there's problems and a product that we're trying to pitch it to solve. And you have to, you get about 20 to 15, 15 to 20 minutes um, to go in there, talk to a prospect, build rapport, figure out their problems, and then present them a solution and try to get them to buy or at least advance to the next step. I um, mean, you know, handle objections and that kind of stuff. And then you get, you get stack ranked based on the amount of points you get and how well you do. And from that, awards are awarded. And um, that, that's pretty much what I would say in, in 30 seconds is what, it was, what a competition is. And, and what's, what's UD's success? Tony, I'll give this one to you. What, what's UD's success looked like at, at that competition? Uh, I mean, the last five to 10 years, we've been doing collegiate sales competitions, Trevor, since 2007. We've competed in, I think, 52 or 53 of these events. Uh, we average about six to nine a year, and we've had uncommon success over the last um, five to six years. Um, just last year, uh, you know, most of them were um, were virtual because of COVID, 
people weren't traveling. And uh, last year at West Virginia, we had an engineer, mechanical engineer in our program, David Romer, won the West Virginia sales competition. Uh, did an excellent job. Then we had a sophomore. First time this has ever happened. We had a sophomore at the Steel City Sales Challenge. Duquesne University sponsors it. Uh, Alexa Plummer was first runner up in that. And I'll give some kudos to Will. Um, uh, we were allowed to have a, a elevator pitch team. I think, Will, what you have, eight, eight or nine? I had I had 10 people on the, on the team. And, and he coached Brian Kingsley, um, a junior, into what, third third runner up out of 96 yeah. kids. And they got a lot of money for that, and too. Like, it was, it was pretty cool to see the success that you can have, you know, coaching as well as, like, you know, doing it yourself. I think it's like, I think it's, for me, it's a lot more rewarding to watch other people succeed and, and coach them. Um, it's, it's, and, and that was a really fun experience for sure. Yeah, we've had probably four or five national champions, Trevor, in the last five to seven years, which says a lot because um, like Illinois State has a competition. It's called the Redbird National Sales Challenge. And, you know, there'll be 56 to 64 kids from about 30 universities. And most of them are heavy seniors. We've had a lot of experience doing this. And Nick Barrett that Will mentioned, we went in there and he won the whole darn thing a couple of years ago. And then we followed that up with Whitney Hoving, who works with one of our sponsors, Reynolds and Reynolds. She was first runner up. Um, I think three out of five years, we either won that thing or, or runner up to the point where I think they wish we wouldn't come back, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's really impressive. And, and I want to dig in a little bit later on, on more about the Talrico Center and PSE and, and how you guys are are preparing and training students for those, for those competitions. Um, but Tony, let, let's, let's do a little bit of background for our listeners. Tell us a little bit about where, where did you grow up? Where did you come from? And, and what was your college experience like? Well, most, most people think my father or mother was in the military. Cause when you ask me where I grew up, I usually refer to Cleveland because that's where I spent the longest time, almost four years. But I was born in Dayton, Ohio, 1956. Um, it was my my dad's senior year at the University of Dayton. He was in the engineering department, um, engineering grad. And I moved 12 times <laughs> in wow. 21 years before I graduated from UD. Dad got a technical sales position with a General Electric company. And yeah, they moved them promotions, transfers, new assignments 12 times in 21 years. And, um, and I went, I went to University of Dayton. So I, I, I was born here in 1956, came back, uh, the year I graduated high school, 1974. I've never left. <laughs> um, You're sick of moving. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I got my degree, school of business, uh, business administration, uh, marketing, marketing, uh, major. And then I went back and got an MBA in 1982. And then I've uh, I've been with, uh, before coming to UD part-time, I was with five different companies, almost all of them, all of them were business to business, kind of a higher order consultative or relationship kind of selling. And that's what I've tried to bring that experience to UD. So you, you graduated from UD, then you got a, then you got a master's from UD and you, you've got a pretty sex, successful career in sales, how the heck did you end up leaving that career and coming back to teach here at UD? Well, um, one of the legendary professors that I had at UD in the economics department was Dr. John Rapp, 
you know, bless his soul. He was, he was fantastic. He was a mentor of mine as well. Yeah. And uh, he reached out to me as a local alum. Uh, I was serving on a, on a committee. Uh, that's how I got connect, reconnected back with UD. Advancement had me serving on a committee. And John called and said, we'd like to start an alumni mentoring program. We'd like to connect uh, juniors and seniors in the School of Business with local alumni, not to, not to get them a job, Trevor, but just to provide an experience outside of Brown, Stewart, and Irving. You know, we, we used to call it the bubble. And uh, I got involved, uh, mentored a student, which I'm still in connections with, uh, Sarah Dwyer. And um, I, I, I was in the program for three years. John asked me to run it. And I literally was on at the beach at Siesta Key uh, the summer of 1997. And uh, Dr. Wesley King called me. He was the chairman of the management marketing department. Picked up the landline phone at 11 o'clock in the in the condo. I think I snuck back to make margaritas or Bloody Marys to take to the beach. And he introduced himself and said uh, there was a committee that was formed. The student I was mentoring, Sarah Dwyer, mentioned my name. But uh, they had an opening uh, in the sales sales for sales classes, principles of selling. And I think my re response was two words. I said, hell no. And he says, why? And I said, I just stopped being a wage slave to major corporations. And I just started my own company, my own manufacturer's rep business. I'm 100% commission. And I'm just in, I just started this endeavor. And he said, well, any other reason? I said, yeah, the classes are spread out Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Tuesday, Thursday, all over the week. And you can't pay me enough as an adjunct to, to do that. I need to be out selling. And he, he thanked me, Trevor. And I says, great. And then the next day, the very next day, I was back making Bloody Marys or margaritas or something to take to the beach, grabbing a you, book. You don't, you don't make those before you teach, do you? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this, was, this was decompressing on vacation. Okay. He me again. I see the same 229 number and extension. I'm like, oh, my God, this is that Wesley King K. And he says, what if I told you we took those three sections and combined them uh, into two sections back to back on Tuesday and Thursday? So you could come in and teach two sections back to back first thing in the morning, and then you could get out selling. I said, I'll think about it. And, you know, I, I don't think I'm the brightest bulb on the Christmas tree because here I am. This is going to be my 25th year uh, in about two weeks. I spent uh, nine years as an adjunct. And then the remaining 15, 16 years uh, full time. Well, it's it's uh, I can tell you there's a number of students that are really glad you, you took that phone call and, and decided to, to come included. Here. Will will include it, <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, so, Tony, what's been what's been most appealing to you about teaching sales to college students to, that's kept you around this long? I realized when I first started in the fall of 97, Trevor, that I had quite an uphill battle because um, I was coming in to teach something I truly loved and enjoyed. Um, I thought sales is one of the oldest, one of the oldest professions in the world. And I had such success at it and enjoyed it so much. I was just excited and enthusiastic to share it. And the first students that I had at 8 a.m. on Tuesday and Thursday we're all sitting there with the nonverbal, the arms crossed, the furrowed brow, and I thought, what's going on in here? And you know what, Trevor, it hasn't changed in 25 years. Uh, all these research studies have been done. There's tremendous negative 
perceptions in our society amongst college students and adults uh, about selling or professional sales. And I believe two professors at Rollins College did a study, oh, this is 10 to 15 years ago, to say, why, why does everyone have such negative perceptions on selling? And they found out that they did a study of media going back to 1946. There's not one TV show or movie that portrays what I did as a professional salesperson in five companies in a positive light. I mean, it's it's the Tommy Boy, it's it's Tin Men, it's Glen Gary, Glenn Ross, it's lying, cheating, stealing, manipulating. And I thought, oh my God, that's the furthest thing from the truth that I experienced. The other thing is, is most students, their perception is formed two ways, through retail, so very transactional buying kind of situations. But the other thing is, it, it's horrible on college campuses. I mean, companies come and prey on our students for summer jobs and, and they, they call it sales, but it's just lead generation. It's just 80 to 100 dials a day um, trying to set up meetings versus what, what we'll experience. And we have our business sponsors provide honest to God internships. Will was involved in the entire sales cycle as an intern. I mean, tell them, well, you actually were the first point of contact. You did cold calls and you actually sold things this summer to people. And it was, it was crazy. It was like, <laughs> I, 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 first of all, interning for crown, which is the, which is the company that I interned for crown equipment corporation. I, I worked in Dayton this summer. Oh my gosh. So transformational. I, I honestly was not expecting it to be this transformation when I, when I joined, I was okay. This is gonna be a good summer job. I'm going to learn some stuff, but the fact that they let me have the whole sales cycle, I got to, I got to start with it. You know, I would, I would do the cold call. I would try to set up a meeting. I would, you know, maybe just go in and I would, I would, I would quote the the products that I needed and I would sell. I, I sold some products and the fact that they let me do that and that they treated me like a full-time rep and that they expected of me what they would expect of a full-time rep. To me, that meant something because I didn't really want to have an internship that was just, uh, you know, like you're just getting coffee for your employer or, you know, it's just you're just put it, slapping it on the resume. Right? I've never been that kind of guy. I want to do something where I'm actually going to learn something from it and hopefully help the company. And I I know they they helped me grow so much as a human being, honestly, overall. And, um, you know, for me, I was able to you know generate some revenue for them and, you know, maybe bring some joy and some jokes into their office. Um, so, you know, it, being able to actually do this stuff in real life, it's just so different. Like, and, and it gave me now this, this knowledge that like, wow, I kind of know what I'm getting into when I get in the real world a little bit. Um, you know, and, and if, if I do go with them full time, which, um, you know, then I'll have an even better idea of, of what I'm doing. And, you know, it, it was just such a positive experience. And I think all of our PSD brothers and everyone who's part of the sales center and a part of Tony's sales classes could all agree when, when you get a job with one of our sponsors, they treat you like adults. They treat you, uh, they expect a lot of you. And, and that's a good thing because I don't think, at least for me, I don't want to be in a job where they're not expecting anything of me. I mean, there's no, there's no benefit to that. You know, you're not learning anything. You're not getting any better. Um, so I, it was just such a positive experience. And, and, you know, our sponsorship program, just the relationships you build, um, it's it's truly transformational. I think so, at least. Well, that's great to hear, and and that's also a nice transition point to to talk a little bit more about the the Talarico Center. So, Tony, maybe you could tell us a little bit uh, what, what is the center, how to get started, and, and what are some of the things currently happening with within the center. Um, you know, when we 
when we started our sales program back in uh, 2006, Trevor, um, uh, the, the dean at the time and the chair of the department said, well, how can we distinguish ourselves? I said, we have to have a physical space to be able to live up to what we stand for at UD, which is experiential learning. We have to be able to give them simulations that are as close to the reality they're gonna face when they get out of here. And I need, we need physical space to do that. And so um, back in 2010, um, I felt like I was working for NASA. I was named the launch director for the sales center. And, and we found a donor, Fiore Tallarico, uh, who invested in the concept. And in Anderson, the lower level of Anderson, we built this beautiful facility. Um, at the time when we built it, 2012, when we officially opened, uh, there were only about 28 to 35 physical sales centers in the United States. And what distinguishes ours, we wanted different selling environments. So, you know, as you've come down there to visit before Trevor, you know, there's a front, there's a front entrance, there's a front reception area. Uh, we've done, we've done gatekeeper exercises where students come in, it's a cold call, they try to get an appointment. We have business sponsors that actually have staffed the front desk and, and, and give them that rejection and have them work on their pitch with coming in the door on, you know, why, why should we do this? Um, we have small offices, we have conference rooms, we have larger offices, we have actually casual space that the students don't like. I mean, Will can maybe talk about that. That sales lobby we have is there's couches and a table and there's not a desktop um, and, and it's kind of a no man's land. It gives them a chance to understand social IQ, emotional intelligence. How do you react to someone in front of you? Yeah, it's, it's one of my favorite rooms back there. I, I, I... I basically just live in the sales center. I'm, I'm doing the podcast from there right now. Um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm always down here. It's, it's, it's such a, it's just a unique thing. Like I, I don't, I think, what is it? Like 1% of universities have a sales center or something like that. Yeah. Right now um, the number of colleges is actually down. I just did the research. I think we're at 3,950 some colleges and universities and less than 200 less than 200 um, have sales programs and only about 150 to I think 170 have physical space where they can practice and do the simulations. Yeah. And, and I think, I mean, sales is all about practice, right? I mean, that, that's what the, that's what's so special about the center is like, you can't really learn sales from a textbook. You can't really sit down and like do that. You have to like really do it and you have to really fail and mess up and like learn from that. And, you know, it, it's not really failure if you're learning and you're getting better. You know, it's only really failure if you just keep doing the same thing over and over again. That's the definition of insanity, as Tony always says. Um, so, you know, like being able to be down here and uh, selling to the sponsors in these rooms and even just it's a quiet space to do homework. Right. It's relaxing. It's, it's where I go whenever I have to really put my head down. I go here instead of the library. So, you know, it's just what I'm it's home to me. Talk about being uncomfortable. Uh, well, maybe you had this experience or maybe you can share from one of your one of your classmates coming into the center and getting stonewalled as you, you try to you, you walk into the reception area and, and getting immediate rejection. What's that like? Oh, it going going in like to like in a sales simulation and going in and get rejected by what we call the gatekeeper. It's 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 something else like it's like. They'll, they'll stop you in your tracks. I'll be like, oh, is, is, is John available? I um, just want to talk to him for, you know, a couple of minutes. And, and they're like, no, he's not available. He doesn't even work here. 
And I'm like, oh, oh, well, well, is there someone who makes decisions about, you know, whatever, say whatever the product that we're selling. And they're like, no, we're not, I'm not going to talk to you. And you're just kind of standing there and you're frozen. And it's like, well, how do I do this? But that happened to me in the real world a ton too. Yeah. It's like, that happened to me so many times. Like, and it's, 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 you have to get used to that and you have to, I guess, adjust your approach. Right. Then like, you know, do more leading questions or like have, have different ways of going about it. Cause the, the thing about the real world is like from what, from the two months that I was out there doing it <laughs> is that everyone's different. There's not one way to do it. Some people, uh, I was telling Tony this earlier when I was talking to him, some people prefer being contacted by phone. Some people prefer coming in person visits. Some people prefer an email and you kind of just have to try them all and see what works for people because people respond differently to different things. Some people want to talk your ears off. Some people don't want anything to do with you other than your product. So it's, it's kind of a learning experience. This is why sales is so cool. And it really, I think it really uh, changes you as a person because you have to really understand people on a level that you really didn't have to before, um, which is, you know, what, what the sales center can kind of help with. Cause you know, Tony will tell me the first to tell you, he'll, when he's practicing with us, he'll put on all these different personalities as crazy as it sounds, Tony can be the mean guy who says like one word and it's, it's really hard to like deal with that sometimes. And sometimes it's really hard to deal with the talkative guy who won't get to the point and who's burning your time. And, and you have to learn how to you know do time management because that's what it is in the real world too, you know, managing your time. So, Will, what's, what, how do you separate the, the center, the physical space from, from PSE, from Pi Sigma Epsilon, the, the, the student fraternity and, and what sort of. What, what sort of programming or events happens through through PSE? You know, PSE is different than the center because the center is a physical, um, you know, entity. The PSE is the people that, that I guess, like use the center mostly. And also the people, like it's, it's more, um, I'm trying to think of the right word for it. It's, it's how we live out the values of, of what the center is, right? So like, you know, the, the values of, of service, of, of social and, and of learning, right? That's, a, that's like the three pillars that we, that we found PSE on, right? Like it's, it's academic, it's social, and it's service, right? You know, academically, we learn how to do sales, right? So in order to get into PSE, you have to complete a full-length 20-minute sales call um, with another person. Like I would be some new member's buyer. And it, it's, it's really cool to, uh, to coach because you get coaching the whole way through. We'll have another member teach you what sales is, how to do it. And that's kind of what's so special about PSE is like, we all invest in each other. We're all looking for each other to succeed. There's no like hiding secrets. Um, there's no like, wow, I want to be the best. So I'm not going to tell this person anything. All of us just want to see each other succeed. Servant leadership is the culture that I've tried to foster um, as president. And I think every other president has done the same. Putting other people before you and putting the members as the top of the pyramid and then you at the bottom saying, listen, this is your chapter. I just want to see what I can do to help you guys succeed in the areas of social service and academics. And, and you know, in terms of the social aspect, it's like you're around 70 like-minded individuals who all are, are relatively friendly, agreeable people who, you know, are, are really hardworking, motivated and interested in, in learning more. And then, um, you know, in terms of service, we, we, had a, uh, we had an event last spring. Um, which was the first time we ever did it called the battle of business fraternities with the other four fraternities um, PSC in total. I think the whole, all four of us, all four fraternities raised like $2,000, $3,000 um, for different causes. And it was just a great way to bond everyone together um, outside of just the academic parts. Yeah. Tony, you were going to say something. Sorry. 
Yeah, well, we'll mention community and um, Trevor, you know, when you and I are talking to prospective students and their families, we, we all talk about community and collaboration. And um, what Will's talking about is collaboration. Um, it's really something to see. Um, and that's the younger students will tell me is, is I knew I made the right choice with Dayton because to see the collaboration, to see seniors in PSE volunteering their time to teach the new members, the freshmen and the sophomores, the sales process to coach them. Um, I think it's either the, I think it's the 15th year we're doing our internal flyer sales challenge on September 2nd. The night before, if I looked in from my office here through the cameras in the sales center, all the rooms are filled and, and they're all in there working on their, on their simulations. And well, it's usually the seniors, the senior leadership mm -hmm. that's conducting training sessions and helping everyone get through the sales process so they can be the boss they can be the next day at that event. Tony, you, you talked earlier about the physical space you know, the, the, the reception area, the, the personal office space, the conference rooms, like all the different areas that you get a job and, and you're selling a product, you might, you might be in one of those different spaces trying to sell to a buyer. And just now you mentioned the cameras. Tell us a little bit more about, about the cameras and, and, and how you utilize those in, in the center. Yeah, so thanks, thanks, Trevor. So every space that we have, there's seven unique spaces down in our sales center. It's almost 1,900 square feet um, in the lower level of Anderson. <clears throat> there's, there's high definition digital cameras and microphones in all those spaces, even the front reception area. So every place is mic'd up. There's cameras everywhere. In the larger rooms, we have two cameras. It's almost like a panoramic view of the room. You can get everybody seated around a table. And, um, in sales education now at the University of Alabama, they're calling it evidence-based learning. Because the first time Will Blueball was in my, my class and went through a sales simulation, and they're all sponsored by the companies that, uh, you know, our business sponsors. And like Will said, when you, when you sit down and you realize you're sitting in front of someone who's had 20 years with this company, they know these products inside and out, it's pretty nerve-wracking. And, and most people lose their minds. And that principles of selling class, they black out. They don't know what they said or did. And we make them watch themselves on the video. And we'll tell you, it's cringeworthy, isn't it? So cringeworthy. You, you guys do not. My first video better not be released to the public. Or maybe it should because you guys would all get a good laugh. It's it's it's, <laughs> it's egregious. I I had this big, my hair is still kind of big, but I had this huge poofy hair. And I was, I was even more energetic then. Like I was all over the place, super nervous. You could just tell I was like, as they're like, what is this kid doing? Probably. But I watched it back and I made tweaks and I continue to do that. I do it every single time because that's how you get better, right? You see, oh, wow, I really could have done that a lot better. I shouldn't use that many crutch words. I should avoid using this word, use that word. Word choice is everything in sales. It's not so much what you're saying, it's how you're saying it. Um, that's one thing I've learned as well. Yeah. So, so Trevor, once a student comes in, um, and, and does a sales simulation within two to three minutes. Yeah, it's up on the virtual server um, across Brown Street in the Fit Center. And then it's available on a web portal that we have. And then they can access that video and then watch the entire 20 minute sales simulation. Uh, we make them watch it, score themselves. 
write a one to two page reflective paper that kind of sounds like an old Clint Eastwood Western. It's called The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. What did you do? <laughs> well, what was bad and what was so god awful? Don't ever do it again. And it's amazing once you're forced to watch it well, then then things stand out. And and you in what we do is in all the sales courses, there's five different sales courses. We do multiple iterations, different kinds of sales simulations in the class. At this point, if I had to guess with Mr. Blue Ball taking three or, three or four sales classes and being on a couple sales teams, easily you probably have 35 to 40 sales simulations cataloged on that server at this point, right? Yeah. And, and, they're, and they're saved forever, right? If, if an employer ever wanted to say, like, they say, oh, you don't have any experience of like doing this because I don't. I mean, I, I'm in college, right? You know, the classic experience objection. I can, I can show them, hey, I, I, may, I, I don't have any experience out in the real world, but this is as close as you can get to that, you know, right out of college. And I, I'd be glad to share with you my video portfolio and you can see my progression. And, you know, it, it, it's a really good tool like that. Um, you know, 100%. And also, Tony, to your point about the classes, um, with that good, bad, and ugly, I was, I was in uh, Mary Beth's class um, this, this last year, and this is a, it's a sales management course. So you're on the other side, you're actually grading the students who are doing the simulations, and you give them the good, the bad, and the ugly, but you have to do it in a way that, like, you know, a good manager would, right? Don't just, like, rip them, but, like, also let them know what they have to fix. And, it's like you understand from both sides how it works, right? Because that's what a sales manager should do. They should help the sales rep. And it's, it's I just would have never thought that was like a thing that you would do in school. Well, what did you find was harder, critiquing yourself or critiquing another student? Oh, uh, critiquing another student for sure. I, I, I can I can pick myself apart really easily. And I, I, I tend to think other people like, you know, do a really good job in general. And that's, that's not to say like I'm not confident in myself or anything, but I just, I hold myself to a pretty high standard. And so, you know, I can see a lot of times I'm like, well, okay, I could have done that better. or I could have done this better. Um, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Well, it's always, I mean, providing constructive feedback is, is challenging. So that, that exercise is, is I'm sure extremely valuable for the students. Yeah. And we get, I have that like recorded what I said, like I even watched my feedback giving, cause like there's ways I can improve that. Right. You know, and, and like, you know, not be so blunt about this or not, or maybe you have to be a little more blunt about this cause they're not going to fix it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Welcome to managing people. That's always <laughs> <fun>. <laughs>
but you know, it's, I'm, that's why I'm really excited for the fall just to, you know, sit there and it's always really lively on Stomo. It's just good people around me all the time. So. Yeah. That's, that's an area I hear many students are, it's, it's very desirable. Well, it's got the, it's got the nicest. I think it's the nicest houses like in general, they're, they're, they tend to be pretty big houses. Um, so, you know, I, that's really nice. So what about you, Tony? You, you were an alum. Uh, where, where do you remember? Is there a certain house or a, a dorm that you sort of uh, go back to when you think about your time here at UD? Yeah. I, I thanks Trevor. I remember starting off in, uh 1974 75 being up in Stewart hall and you know Stewart, i don't know how recent but there was not air conditioning back <laughs> in the day at Stewart hall any 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 prospective students listening i promise you all the dorms now have air conditioning they're air conditioning <laughs> and, and i just remember box fans and open doors and getting to know everyone um i was on three east they used to call it i know it's it has a different name today but after that, I, I was one of the first men that ever moved into Marycrest. I think that's accurate. I think in 1975, 76, they put men in the middle, walled off the hallways. When you got out of the elevator, you had three keys, a key to the building, a key to your hallway, and a key to the door. Because uh, I didn't think they wanted us mingling with the women in the wings back in the day. Um, Junior year, I was at 336 Key Faber, which doesn't exist. There's a tree there now. Uh, they took all those houses down to build Art Street. So most of my classmates from that era, you know, we lost our houses in that block when they put up Art Street. All right. If you had uh, one meal on or near campus, where, where would you eat? We'll start with you, Will. Oh, well, you know, you're talking to the right guy here because I love to eat. I have some of the best metabolism this side of the Mississippi. Uh, my favorite meal on campus. I know this is really plain. But I love going to Kennedy Union to Q, and I'll get my grilled chicken breast, two of them, with potatoes, which are immaculate, better than the fries, I think, with, and then green beans, and I will get a side of fruit, and then I will get usually like a, a water or something like that. It's a really, really balanced, nutritious meal. Um, it, it, gets, it hits all the right points. I love it. I mean, off-campus – you know, Milano's is great. Um, and in terms of like change Chipotle, I mean, you, you can't miss it. Right. I mean, I know how to load my bowls up there. I, I get the max out of my money. So I, I love food. If you can't tell my voice is just getting so excited. Tony, what about you? One, one meal on or near campus? We'll uh, give it four, it's been pretty way. consistent. So in 1977, I actually worked in the management and marketing department and I worked for a professor who's passed away, Dr. Alan King. And, um, he was doing some consulting work on the side and hired me to do this research into the conveyor industry. And, and he wanted to meet me um, about seven o'clock at night. And he says, well, I'll, let's, I'll meet you at the Pine Club. You know, I'll pick up dinner. And it's the first time I'd ever been to the Pine Club, 1977. And uh, he even sponsored me to get my Pine Club card because, you know, they don't take credit cards. So I still have my original Pine Club card. I'm not going to share my number with listeners there because then they can go there and charge things to me. Um, but I met my wife junior year there, Mary Beth, that well referred to. And we've had a date and tradition of um, our birthdays and our anniversaries. Uh, this will be our 40, oh boy, 43rd wedding anniversary coming up in two weeks. And we always go to the Pine Club. It's funny as I've done this podcast, the, the most common answer is definitely Milano's. Um, and but often when I'm talking with alumni, they say, Well, it was Milano's when I was a student, and now it's Pine Club. Um, you know, couldn't, <laughs> couldn't afford Pine Club as a student, and, and yeah. a lot of people 
it's a it's a celebratory place for a lot of people. In, in fact, uh, when I got the dean's job, my my dad promised to take my wife and I to to the Pine Club. So, Dad, if you're listening, you still owe me a meal at the Pine Club, and I, I will <laughs> I will be collecting on that next time you come to Dayton. Well, Tony, before we before we end, uh, real quick, we we mentioned one of your one of your partners in, in, in Crown Equipment. Tell us who are the other partners for the for the sales center. Um, we've had five companies with us for ten years. Um, Crown Equipment Corporation, um, uh, you know, is in the materials handling industry. They've been a significant uh, sponsor. Uh, Henry Shine Dental, they're the largest uh, worldwide. Um, dental products distributor uh, in the country. Uh, we've had Tech Systems, which is number one in their industry, which is information technology uh, re- recruiting. And you know, we we've had um, Reynolds and Reynolds local. You know, they're actually the first one. And um, so we've got automotive dealer management systems, material handlings industry. Gartner has been with us too, for almost nine years, information technology services with Tech Systems and Henry Shine Dental. Um, What ties all that together is they're all business to business. They're all in the high-tech industries. They teach a consultative, open, or unstructured approach, which Will can tell you it's it's not about selling the product. It's about solving someone's problems. And, And in my experience in 38 years with five companies, when you walk in the door and you're not selling something to them, but you're seeking, as Stephen Covey says, seek first to understand before you're understood. And, and they hear those kind of things from me all the time. Do they think I'm losing my mind? I have dementia. It's like he's repeating himself again. It's like, no, I'm doing it so it sticks. <laughs> you got to say it over and over again before it sticks. <laughs> um, well, well, do you, either of you have anything else you, you want to share with our listeners or, or any questions you'd like to ask me? I, I would just say, uh, at the end of this, you know, please, if you come to come back to campus, if you're an alum, or if you're coming with, um, a son or daughter, who's thinking about UD, you know, ask, ask to see the sales center, come okay. down there. Um, the students get the tours. I don't give the tours cause I'm like, everyone's dad. What do I know? Right. <laughs> Um, you know, let, let well blue bar some of these other outstanding students tell you why they why they're there and why they're you know getting our insight selling emphasis or, or the minor and what they hope to do with that in their career. But you know, just please stop by and eight to five Monday through Friday is our normal normal hours. Yeah, see, see if you can get past the reception desk. <laughs> <laughs> I'm at it right now. I'm I'm watching like a hawk. Yeah, I was I was just gonna add to that like. Um, if you're a prospective student or your prospective student's parent and, and you're listening to this, you know, give UD a shot. It is the best experience that I've ever had in my life. Give sales a shot no matter where you're going. And if you come to UD, get involved with stuff. It doesn't have to be sales. It just get involved and, and get on campus and, and do stuff because college can be four of the most amazing years ever if you just make the most of it. You know, every day, give it your all. And, um, you know, the sky's the limit for, you know, every single person listening to this, if you do that. Um, and, you know, I, I'm so thankful for UD's got me to where I am today. Um, it's, it's gotten me, you know, so confident in myself and I'm a completely different person than when I came into college. Um, so, you know, go Flyers. And uh, if you guys ever have any questions, swing by the sales center because 
um, we'll be there. Like Tony said, eight to five. And I basically live down here. So there's a good chance to catch me. So <laughs> thank you guys so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Will and Tony, thank you so much for your time chatting with me today. I, I really enjoyed it. I hope our listeners enjoyed it as well. And I hope they'll join us again next time. Go Flyers. Go Flyers. Go Flyers. Thanks, Trevor. Thanks, Will. Thanks for joining us for the Business Class Podcast. If you'd like to engage with us further, please follow us on social media. Our Instagram and Facebook accounts all use the name SBA. You can also email the Dean's Office with questions or suggestions for future podcasts at sbadean at udayton.edu. No matter where you are on your career path, we are proud that you're part of our Dayton Flyer family.